Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, late night, March 2nd, 2016. Man, getting into this year already. Looking forward to a big night. Uh, we're going to have David Martinez on. He's a singer-songwriter out of, uh, I believe, Corpus Christi, Texas. I have to go back and check that there. But, uh, yeah, we got him on. And uh, after that, of course, we have the great Anthony Davis out of the USC five-time national champion. So uh, plenty of things to talk about with him also. But we're uh, looking forward to talking to David, hearing about his music, and, and some good things coming up. He's got a new album coming out. So we're uh, really excited about that. So full fun night, and uh, we're going to jump right into this. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, and uh, we're sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. We're going to get started right off the bat with one from David Martinez. This is called Hey Mary, back after this. Bus from Alabama all the way to LA. She was a small town girl with a big city dream, and nothing else mattered, so it seemed. Hey, Mary, that's the price to pay. What you gonna owe on Judgment Day? It's hard to get it back once you throw it all away. She grew up fast and had to be tough, and the love she got was never enough. Living at home, she always felt out of place So she packed her dreams in her old suitcase As she walked out the front door The life she knew would be no more Like a cyclone, out of control She took a step into the unknown Hey Mary, ran away today She took a bus from Alabama all the way to L.A. She was a small town girl with a big city dream And nothing else mattered, so it seemed Up in his house on the hill, this fairy tale had yet to discover. 
Welcome to the show, hey. David Martinez. Uh, he's a singer-songwriter, and welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Doing great, brother. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a nice night. So a nice night in Texas, so can't <laughs> complain. Absolutely. Well, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got started in music, and uh, you know what, what, what kind of sparked your interest in everything. My dad. You know, I've been, I've been into music since I was like two years old, and uh you know, my mom, my mom and my dad were young parents, so it was like I was exposed to music when I was young. Just, I think, I think if I if I don't if I recall correctly, I think when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad took her to a Grand Funk Grand Funk Railroad concert. So, yeah. <laughs> so he, he said he said he said he used her stomach as a uh, as a um, drum a drum because my dad's a drummer, so he used her stomach as a little uh, the drum while Mark uh, not Mark Farner was a I think Don Brewer was playing the drums, so so it was uh, it was crazy. But then I and plus my mom said I used to walk around singing that little river song, uh, "Lady." So, <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I don't recall that, but you know I used to, used to like sing it, and you wouldn't just sing it, you'd get into it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you 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 you're destined you're destined to end up here anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, well, it was cool. I look at some yeah. of your influences, and, and you, you got Grand Funk uh, Railroad, Listed Kiss, Steve Miller Band, Led Zeppelin, and and uh, how did that kind of form the style of music you're playing today? 
Well, it, it was crazy. As you know, it, I was I was actually talking to my, my best friend Anthony uh, Garza. We jammed together, and there was a lot of stuff that we didn't listen to, like you know, like like you know, like like James Taylor and things like that. But as we as we got older, we came to we learned how to appreciate all that. So you know, you had all that rock, like Errol Smith, Led Zeppelin, and stuff like that. And then you started listening to stuff like James Taylor, and you know, and um, you, you got you know, Cat Stevens, bands like that, um, singer songwriters like that. Yeah. And it kind of just kind of mixed with you know some of the I like like I like Jack White from the White Stripes, and I like I like his White Stripes stuff, and I love Brian Adams, and you know, like of course I do love the Seattle era Pearl Jam, you know, Soundgarden and all that. So it just kind of I have an open mind when it comes to music, so that just it just morphs in somehow. Right. <laughs> When did you uh, when did you first do, do, start doing your own writing? Uh, you know, a lot of people you know they start off and, and you you playing songs you love and, and and doing covers and stuff. But when did you start writing your own your own stuff? Well, I started writing. I started coming up with song ideas when I was a little kid, but I never I never knew how to play an instrument. So it was I, I think I was about fifteen years old and I got my first guitar and uh, I I had written some stuff, but I hadn't really done anything and there was a I had a buddy named James that I met in high school he was I think his dad was in the military and went all around the, all around the world and you know we just sat down and started writing songs so about, I said about 15 years old started writing songs and yeah. we wrote a number of songs and then you know Anthony Garza my best friend comes into the mix and we were in high school together and we just we all we all just started working and writing songs so so we just you know we did that things like that where did you where did you gather your inspiration from Influences like uh you know we were we were all big Guns N' Roses fans yeah. and that was that was that was like our band you know when we were in school and you know of course we're big Kiss fans and then and then Seattle happened with like Nirvana and Pearl Jam so that was that was a fun time for music you know there was a lot of great bands that came out and you know and then the stuff stuff like the Gin Blossoms you know Better Than Ezra you had you had all kinds of uh, all kinds of great bands like that coming out so it was just it was just a combination of a lot of things yeah. but. When it comes to uh, the actual songwriting for you, um, you know, you come up with the the music first, or or, or you come up with lyrics, or does it really does it really matter? I mean, is it, I, I'm sure everything you know kind of just happens sometimes where you you got a you got a beat in your head and then you want to put the words to it, or but is there anything that's more more consistent than the other? Well, generally, it's it's kind of you know it's, it's mainly for me mainly the music usually comes first but sometimes a, a melody will come in my head and i'll just kind of work on that work and work through that so it's kind of it, it, it's mainly for me like i said it's mainly the music but then it's also like it's like sometimes i'll just get a melody or i'll sing sing something and i'll be like i gotta write that you know and it's yeah. and you know i've done you know it's kind of funny uh jimmy wilden who's one of my one of my partners with the uh, cc songwriters here in corpus christi we were actually we were talking about that, you know, and it was like we were we were laughing because you know with the iPhone now you, or even even any smartphone you could just basically hit record and you got a number of, uh, you just got a bunch of stuff on file and you know for like this new record I found some stuff on file, and I was like, oh cool I can you know, I can write you know I had written some songs and I was like there was one song in particular called Rise it's a new new song and I. And I said, man, I got I got these great lyrics that fit this, you know. And I worked it out, and it uh, that's how it came together. <laughs> so it just it just var it varies, you know. When uh, you know, 
a lot of times you know, people get you know put 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 stuff down and they write it and then they work with you know they collaborate with other people and and things change sometimes somewhat uh, you 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 talk about the people you've worked with and your friends that you guys kind of started off together with how's that partnership work out on, on, with you and generally do you do you ever find it that uh, you work with somebody who kind of wants to take it a different direction and uh, are you good, you're okay with that or what going to the writing and it's funny you mention that because when when I sit sit there with Leroy Miller has produced all my records you know and when we sit there together and we work on stuff we we basically I go in with an open mind and we talk about you know what we're going to do and things like that so we we um we just like um we just go back and forth you know and we uh we go back and forth and we decide what's best for the song you know so so I always want the song to be the best that it can be. I don't. I, I don't want to just put something out that's not not going to be, you know, consistent with the song, or you know, it's not going to doesn't work. Right. You know? So, so the one thing about that, you know, so we we like we'll sit back and you know we'll say, okay, this is cool, but this right here we could really work on this, or if a chorus isn't happening, you know, or should we just come up with a new chorus? So I'm always open to two ideas, you know, and uh. Now, now with the advent of us, us getting together as uh, songwriters here in Corpus Christi, you know, we we do the uh, we do the CC songwriters, um, you know, we are uh, we're 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 taking it we're we're starting to all write together, you know, and just trading ideas and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work, you know. Nice. What what's what's the music scene like in Corpus Christi? I mean, we we all hear about Austin and. And South by Southwest and all these things like that. But is is there a really good uh, indie scene in uh, Corpus Christi? Well, it's getting there. You know, one of the things is one of the one of the things is you know is like a you know a while back there wasn't you know and and you know but there's a lot of talented musicians here. There's always been great musicians. There's a lot of people who write their own songs and things like that. And you know, it, it was it's funny because you know there's a place called the Executive Surf Club and I know I'd always go to the open mics and play my original music and uh that's where i met jimmy wilden you know and he he did the same thing you know and then we got a buddy named stephen james and a guy named ty deets and pay karasi all these people um we basically just we just would go play our original music and so jimmy took it upon himself to start the cc songwriters and that has grown into its own entity and we we're able to you know we're starting to have a pretty nice music scene here and we got a lot of we had a lot of young, young up and comers too that we're really excited about, and that was the whole purpose of it. To because when we were doing it, we really didn't have a place to go except just the open mic. So it's really built into it's built into a nice scene out here, and it's growing. It keeps growing every time. Very cool. It's funny because I have a friend from Corpus Christi, and all he ever talked about was uh, what they call a banda or ranchero music. So I, I didn't, I didn't even really realize that there was a was a was a pretty cool indie scene out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Austin, Austin has a cool scene. You know, I, I I go play in Austin as much as I can. You know, in Houston, I hear I haven't been able to make it to Houston much, but you know, plan on doing that this summer, getting Houston and Austin. San Antonio and Dallas, you know, the, those are the main hubs here in Texas. But there's also a lot of nice towns. I mean, I don't know if you recall the song Lukenbach, Texas, but yeah. Lukenbach was a very is a very cool small little town. And you know, and I went went over there one time, and and you know, you got you know, there was a guy playing guitar, and I was just 
it, it's got a pretty unique scene. So, <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it's just there's there's a lot of places you can find. I mean, even even when I went on tour, I w- I ended up you know I ended up in a place. I went on tour two three years ago through the East Coast, and I ended up in a place called Mooresville, uh, Mooresville, South Carolina, and it was interesting because it was there was just such a huge amount of talent there, and I, I I ended up going to do an open mic, and I ended up playing a bunch of different um, with a bunch of different guys, you know, and it was it was just it was just cool the way it all, you know, the way everybody just uh, gelled together. Yeah. You 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 you've done quite a bit of touring. I was looking at your bio. I mean, you came all through uh, Southern California here and uh, up in the Seattle area, and yeah, and, and you, you seem to you seem to uh, have gotten around quite a, quite a bit. Do you do you tour constantly, or was that just a promotion for the first record? Well, I do tour. I do tour when I can. I do get on the road, but um, that was a promotion for the second record. I I've gone on tour in two thousand. I went on tour in two thousand six with Jimmy Walden. And then I did like a little tour in 2010 of uh, the West Coast, and then I uh, 2013 I went and toured the East Coast. And you know I've been the, one of the things I've been working on is trying to build the scene here in Corpus Christi, and you know get around here in Texas. And and we have friends from various parts of the country. You know Lady Lake, you know you know yeah. Cindy, and you know and Cindy and Jen. Then you got Match One, Irvin Pulliam from Seattle, and Jeff Popka from. Uh, the Chicago, Indiana area, and he puts shows out there. So it's funny we, we've like all come together, and you know we've and these guys have been putting on this uh, Texas Indie Fest now for their sixth year. So it was kind of cool because Irvin came, Irvin the Match One came down to Corpus Christi with me last year, and he met all these cool musicians, you know, and it was it was super cool because once he once he met them, it was like you know he was he was he said I want to throw a fest here, yeah. and he talked it over with his partner, and you know he do we had a very successful. Um, Fest back in uh, two thousand, uh, last last year in October. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that indie fest. I mean, is, is it bring? Is it a big draw? Uh, you know, spectator wise. Well, it it, it does get it, it, the the thing about the thing the cool thing about the Red Shed Tavern is that it has its own. Um, it have they have they have their own built in crowd and they're good people that own the place. You know, mm-hmm. and it's. It's uh, apparently one of one of, one of the legends is that Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson used to frequent the place. So there's always people out there, you know, going out there, and they have their people that go listen to the music, and they also have, you know, we have people who go. So we always have we always have a good night. Yeah. You know, the place fills up, and it's been it's been getting bigger each year, and nice. you know, and it's the, the cool thing is now they're bringing bands from all over the country, all over the world, you know. We've had people there from New York to Chicago, from LA, from Pennsylvania. We had, and we've also had people, we also had a girl from Germany, you know. We've had, we've had all kinds of, and, and Great Britain, you know. So it's, 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 it's a very, it's a very diverse mix of musicians that we have. You know, we do do, I know, um, we do have, uh, some rap and hip hop that comes through along, along too, which is, which is super cool, you know, and it's just, it's, 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 it lends itself to, you know, you know, the thing is we all have these different ideas, you know, on what, you know, what music <laughs> should be, but what music should be, well, we have, then again, we have no idea. And it's just like, I mean, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. I was doing this thing called the Texas rock fest last year at, uh, out there in Austin during South by Southwest. And it was, uh, this band befriended me. They came and they were real nice. They said, our name is Avalon Landing and they were from Vegas. I said, Oh, you guys playing a show here? They go, no, we just, 
came to get educated and we wanted to uh we wanted to meet some people and see if we can come back next year and play and i said well i think i can get you guys a gig and i uh let jeff and Irvin. i sent them to jeff and Irvin, and jeff heard them brought them in and me and jimmy Wilburn were just so impressed every all of us were impressed you know they had the three-part harmonies going and and it's things like that that's just they're magical you know you can't yeah. you don't plan them you don't plan them and that's that's what the texas indie fest is you know and and it, it, I mean, I remember somebody had canceled and, you know, they, and I, you know, you, and you, you talk about taking one for the team, you know, it's always like, you know, it was like, they, you know, right away, Irvin and Jeff or Dave, can you fill in and do a set? You know, we know you have a, Friday, a show for your Friday. And I thought, you know, well, Jimmy Wilden's coming into town. I said, why don't you have him play a set? I want you guys to meet him and hear his talent, you know? And they were like, really? Will we make it in time? And they worked it out. He got it. He got it. He rolled into town and played a set. And, you know, and I'm glad he did because, you know, we've all built this relationship together and that's what the Texas Indie Fest is. And we, I, I couldn't go without man, mentioning, you know, how, how much Cindy from Lady Lake, how much, how much she goes out there and promotes this. And then we have Braggot on entertainment, Lavert Rogers and Hector, uh, they're, um, great friends, but they're also, you know, they're also into the arts and the music and, uh, you know, Lavert, who uh, owns Braggadon, he's a he's a uh, he's an actor, yeah, and he's a he's a just he's just a very talented organizer of you know event. He can put events together. Him and his uh, partner Kelly at Red Diversion. So it's just all these people come together, and it's just it's just a good time, and we get to meet a lot of great talent, and that's how the Texas the Texas Indie Fest is really growing. And the cool thing about it is, it's see in Austin everything happens down downtown during Sixth Street. So other people look for alternatives not to get mixed up in that hoopla because I mean you're paying thirty dollars to park and you're you're having to deal with that. I'm not saying we don't go, but we do go. But right. the thing the thing is, you know, when we get into town, you know, it's just you know some people go people end up going to see the Texas Indie Fest because it's just it's there. I mean, and we've had people. We've had last year, God rest his soul, Scott Weiland showed up. Wow. You know, and we've had you know we've we've had all kinds of. Uh, cool people show up that are involved in the music you know so it's it's very it's very interesting in the way that one works well it's got to be pretty cool for especially if somebody who, who's in town and doesn't know about it and then finds out about it i always i always find that i really very rarely not enjoy discovering something new and especially when it's you know it's you know a bunch of indie uh, indie indie bands or indie or singer-songwriters and stuff like that. I've discovered so many just at, you know, open mics and stuff like that. And uh, I always, I'm always i always amazed, like you said, the amount of talent that you'll see in, in, I mean, at a fest or a coffee house sometimes. Uh, you know, you get, the, you get the word about a specific place that draw, you know, draws a, a lot of talent, and you go there for next to nothing and just have a remarkable evening. I think I lost him. No, I'm right. I'm right here. I was okay. looking. At, okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. You're right. You know, and that's one thing we do. That's one thing uh, me and Jimmy have been doing. We've been going around, and you know, talking to younger singers, songwriters, and asking them to come out. I mean, we had a kid as young as 17 show up. You know, and you know, you never know what to think of anybody. You know, it's kind of like funny. I've, I mean, I've had I've had it where somebody goes, "I didn't really think much of you until I heard you play," and I was like, oh, "Gee, thanks." <laughs> but, I mean, we have a young. You know, we had this young 17 year old kid show up. You know, I was like, okay. Young guy, you know, he goes up, goes up, and he's just, he's just amazing. He's raw, yeah. but amazing. And it's like, with a, with a little development, this guy's going to go a long way, you know. And that, and and the cool thing was his attitude because he wanted to learn, he wanted to meet people, and 
I think that's what I tell a lot of young musicians. You know, you gotta always have that will to learn. Right. You know, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta check your ego and make sure you you're humble about what you do because you never know what's gonna happen. So it's, I mean, for me, I'm I'm just I'm a learner. You know, it's I, I teach by I teach I'm a teacher, so you know I'm also a learner, and that's that's what that's what I'm always I'm always about the education of it. You know, and we never stop learning you know and that's, that's what that's what gets me going nice and like you said the nice the young talent you know good good ta- good indie talent that's out there do you uh you know you, you obviously love playing live uh but you know you got to do the studio time do you do you uh do you find just as much enjoyment uh, in the studio as you do playing live i love playing a lot better <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I I love the magic that happens in the studio. Yeah. But you know, sometimes you know, after an eleven hour day, it's pretty grueling. I mean, it's it's interesting. I talk to a bunch of people. I mean, I talk to you know a bunch of my friends who are indie artists. You know, and a bunch of people around the country who I've played with, and it's always crazy. They go, "Man, you realize how much work goes into making thirty minutes of music or forty five minutes of music? It's just." You know, two, three weeks, you know, <laughs> it's just like, God, it's like, you know, because, because the thing is, you want to get it right, you want to get it done right, and you know, so, and you, you're charting it out, you're making sure, you know, you're, you're building tracks, you want it done right, you know, and that's why all the great records sound great, because, you know, they built the tracks, and, and, uh, well, actually, back in the day, they played, a lot of bands played live in the studio, and then they overdubbed what they needed to, but, you know, as, as time has gone on, you know, it's, I was watching, uh, I guess, what was the guy, who's the guy from Electric Light or- Orchestra? Oh. Jeff, uh, Jeff Lynn? Is it Jeff Lynn? Yeah. I think it's Jeff Lynn. I was watching his style when he was working with Tom Petty in the studio, and it's pretty much the same kind of style that Leroy Miller has, you know, where they, where they, where they record, you know, they, re- they, they build a track and then they record right. parts separately. And that's how we have to do it. You know, we're on a budget, you know, so we have to, we have to do it like that, but we, the track builds and it's a track. It's magic. It's crazy how how it becomes that. But it's. I do like the studio, but it gets a little grueling at times. And I could tell you, I, I just sometimes I just can't wait to finish a record and get to get out there and start playing. You know, <laughs> I do love the studio though. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't hate it. But I. I'll tell you one thing. It's always a challenge. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that artists. Uh, anybody who's very creative oftentimes have a have a a difficulty with is when it's time to let it go it's it's done uh and do do you ever find it difficult to say okay that's good that's done let's move on or do you always see i gotta tweak this just a little bit more well you know you know what's funny is you know being an independent artist we're on a budget (laughs) (laughs) we're on a we're on a budget so you know i mean i mean the way the way people like Leroy Miller and David Levy and all these guys that I know that make have had big studios or have big studios and make records and have made records with major labels and all that. And they go, Oh, you go record and then you go you go back and revisit and you fix it and blah blah you I mean with with, with what you have now, you mean you got you got a budget you gotta work on, you know, because I mean as an indie artist we, you don't you don't have the major labels throwing in a bunch of money to right. you know, to make sure everything so you go in and you listen and you make sure it's done right. It was kind of interesting you bring that up because I was having a discussion with Leroy Miller about it, about the first record. And I said, man, I, I listened to some things here and there. And he said, and, and the way he said, yeah, 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 you know what? And he goes, we could all second guess, you know, but the thing is, 
that's the record, man. He goes, well, it's time to move on, and you know, if you if you dwell on it, you're never gonna have a product, man. And it's like, it's like it's what you do with those songs when you play them live. You take them to another level, and that's what I try to do with my when I play with my band. That's what I try to do. You know, I try to try to just improvise with other things and take it to take it to a whole other level. So, yeah. You know, as a as as a as a music fan and as a you know somebody who goes to shows and stuff like that, you know, I always found that uh, very delightful. You know, you know, you go see a band that you know or, and that you've heard the heard the songs for a million times, and they, you see them live and they and they tweak it or they, it, it's a it's an extended version or there's something something's very special about it more so than what you're used to yeah. hearing. And I think uh, I think a lot of people really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. You know, I, I've I've gone out. You know, I've seen lots of my. I'm going to tell you one thing. I am a big music fan. I love I love music, and I love I love going here and dance play. You know, and it's one of the things you learn from that. Right. You learn from that in, in your in your own sense, and you know, it's it's crazy. Like they could take a three minute song and extend it into like a a I don't know ten minute song. It's kind of funny. I have a song called "What You Need," and it's on my first record. And it's like, it's got this thing, you know. It's it's about a three four minute song, and you know, it's kind of funny live. You know, we kind of kind of break it down a little bit. And and one time I looked at it, it's like eight or nine minutes, but it was just like it it was it flows the way the way we set it up because you really get the crowd into it, and you get the energy going and flowing. So, you know, it's just it's it's a combination of a lot of different things. Yeah, I think. Uh... Day, the live version of Days and Confused is like 13, 14 minutes. So, uh, you know, oh, it, but it's it's beautiful though. Absolutely, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I just saw I just saw a band called Led Zeppelin Two. They were they're a tribute band, and I swear they they sound just like Led Zeppelin. You know, it's just it was crazy because we were. I was just I always go with my brothers. It's usually around Valentine's Day every two years they play here in Corpus Christi, and and um. I don't know. I just I, that was that was the one thing I said. My dad gave me a Led Zeppelin book, and he said, "Learn these songs." And that's how I learned how to play guitar by playing Led Zeppelin tunes. The first song I ever learned how to play was uh, and complete was a uh, Days and not Days and Confused. It was uh, Good Times, Bad Times. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, big yeah. big fan of theirs. Uh, all my life have been. So, and yeah. hey, let's uh, let's let our listeners listen to one of yours. And this is off the new one. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, something real. Well, you know, it was kind of funny because uh, you know, the, every time I make I make a record with Leroy Miller, you know, so we're never making the same record. And you know, he always he always he always throws his ideas, you know, suggestions. And one of the things is, you know, being being Hispanic, he said, "Have you ever thought about doing something like a Santana esque song?" And you know, he's written a lot of songs back back in the day with other with other writers. You know, he said, "I've written a song for Santana, which he didn't take, you know, but he said." I got another song that's kind of similar, that kind of has a similar Santana feel. And he goes, I don't know if you'd like to record it, but we can write it if you want. And you know, we listened to it and we were working on it and we just said, let's do it. You know, and that, that's how that came about. So that was, that was, I went, I went, I went with the idea. I had five songs I was going to record. And he said, so that was, a, that was like a, some 11th hour stuff. That was just a, a sixth song we added that was totally different from everything else that we were doing. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's, uh, let's give our listeners a listen. You're listening to Swoops on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're here with singer-songwriter David Martinez, and uh, this is Something Real. Back after this.
for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hi, this is Kelly Z. And Casey Regan. We're from Music You Can See and AmeriBlues.com and Kelly's Live. We are swooping it at Swoops World. And welcome back to Swoops Run on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're here live with David Martinez, a singer-songwriter out of Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> so tell us about the new album. Uh, uh, this is the, this, that was the first single off the album, right? Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's got a lot of different elements. You know, it's, uh, that's, it's got something like that, you know, which is, which is like kind of like a Santana-based type. You know, it's like, and then... You know, we got things that we did, that we did. You know, that kind of, you know, uh, as I got a song called "I'm All Right." That's a song that Cindy calls her Ricky Nelson song. So <laughs> kind of, it's kind of got, it's kind of got that Americana thing going. You know, so but we also, you know, we also have some, you know, we also have some interesting sounds coming out. So we, uh, there's a there's a combination that I got a power ballad on there and things like that. You know, we we it, we experiment a lot with a lot of different things. You know, and. Oh, let's make this bridge sound like a you know like a Weezer song. You know, it's, it's kind of cool the way it works out, but it doesn't sound like a Weezer song, but it is kind of. So it, it's got six new tracks, and it's uh, it's totally different from anything I've ever done. You know, we have a, a lot of piano in it, and there's this one little cheap guitar I had that you know was kind of interesting. I was recording my demos with it, and Leroy Miller was just like, "What the hell are you playing on?" I said, "It's a it's this little classical cheap guitar." I mean, not classical, I said little nylon cheap guitar and he goes bring it to LA and I said okay I'm gonna let you have it though because I know you're gonna do do it some justice so the the nylon you hear on that something real is him playing off of it and it's he's all he, he was just like it has character yeah. you can't get that kind of sound off of the off of the expensive guitar he goes it's gotta be something like like that and that's that's one thing we did we were able to use that guitar and use the, you know the Taylors and the electric guitars and we got we were able to use some vintage sounds on this record so that's the record is this record is um, has a lot of has a lot of you know it's kind of like we framed it around the song called Hey Mary kind of like you know when when he made me step outside of the box doing that song about five years ago so it was it was interesting we it was it was hard work but we we got it done. You know, you brought up you brought up something interesting when you talk about the guitar. I, you know, I've talked to I've talked to people who talk about you know they'll they'll see an old amp uh, in a thrift store or something, and it's got you know it's you know it's from the fifties or it's got this kind of some kind of tubes in it or uh, old vintage mic, and they say I just got to record with that because you can't get that sound today. Uh, you know, with all the you know the advances you know today, I mean, you know, you could you can make things sound the way you want. But it, it's something about the feel of actually doing it with the with the with that equipment. I imagine that that makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, it's a very interesting feel to it, has a very interesting feel to it. And it's like, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of people back in the day were getting rid of their you know their their older gear, and then all of a sudden, you know, now now a lot of people want the gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. 
it's just like this gear, a lot of those old gears, you know, coming into place, coming into play again. So, you know, and it sounds, it sounds great. It doesn't sound solid state, you know, like a solid state, you know, it has felt down. But the, 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 there's something about those vintage tubes and all that that just, just drive you. I mean, you listen to a Peter Frampton at, at like Peter Frampton live record, and you, you know, he's playing off a tube amp. Right. Uh, well, I, I, you just took me back, man. <laughs> That's one of the albums I used to listen. I wore, I probably wore the grooves off of that thing. Um, you know, as an independent artist, you wear you wear many hats. I mean, you got to do your promotion, you got to book your gigs, you got to go. You know, like you said, you got to budget yourself to to do record and stuff like that. Uh, but it's 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 a ride, and, and you know, some people say I love the journey of it all, but. Uh, you know, do you do you have a, a specific uh, feeling one way or the other? Uh, uh, you know, it, it doing all these different things that you know, a conglomerate doesn't I, really uh, have to deal with. I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it is a journey because you never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what what you're going to come across. And I, music, you know, music has a way of opening people's hearts and minds. And I think as independent musicians or just a musician in general, somebody who really plays and is passionate and writes their music. It, it it opens something up, you know, and, and other people, you know, that they're drawn to you and, you, you know, you're drawn to them, you know, and it's kind of like you end up, you know, you end up making a lot of cool friends and making, you know, if you play your, if you play it right, you know, and it's one of the things is I'm, I'm always so relaxed. I was, I was on tour about three years ago and I met, you know, I met so many cool people and yeah, you can crash on my floor. Oh, really? Okay, cool. You know, and it was. It was just, it's just a journey, you know, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and I've heard so many people, especially in the indie scene, talk about the people they've come across and the people they've met and the, and the friendships that have, have become be, um, behind it and jam sessions and whatnot. Um, and, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, you talked about, you know, music, you know, it, it kind of moves everybody. And, and, you know, years and years ago, I, I met a, a guy from a, a, a band that I really liked, but it, you know they spoke, they sang in Spanish, and I really didn't. I don't speak Spanish, so. But I, yeah. I, had, I got a chance to meet the lead singer, and I said, you know, I really, really love your music, although I don't know most of what it, what you're saying. And he and he said, you know, that's the thing about music. It's, you know, it's a feeling, and and, uh, and it just moves people. And he says, we know we play all over the world. Um, the band's called Mana. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but anyway. Oh yeah, said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he says we four times live. He says we play all over the world, and he says you know there's it's really weird because well we play in places where people don't really speak Spanish, but they know all the words to the songs. And I'm thinking, I said yeah, I, I know the words to your songs, I just don't know what half of them mean. And and, and I, you're right when you said that. You said music just kind of moves everybody, and it's a, it's a good feeling, and I guess it transcends languages and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's pretty crazy the way the way it works, you know, the way the way it goes into. Uh, I, not to say you know, not to say that it doesn't. It, I mean, music for me, it's just it's always it's always been it's always been touch me. It's it's about the song, you know. Yeah. It's about it's about a good song, you know, and it's, it it just always freaks me out because that's one of the things that you know Leroy's always told me. You just want to make sure you write good songs, you know, and. And it's like, I was, I was, it was kind of interesting because I don't know how I came up on the subject. It was like, I was thinking, it, we were, I think it was me and Cindy one day, we were just having a discussion about Tommy James and the Shondells. And, oh, wow. And, and he didn't, I, you know, you don't really think about it, but when you, you start naming the songs that he has, he has, 
he has about eight or nine great songs that are just, you know, like that are they're great songs, you know, and you can you know, you can play the rest of your life with that, you know. <laughs> Plus, you know, do, do what you want to do, but it's always it's always about the great songs, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, it always amazes me when I when I'll, I'll see somebody or hear somebody, and then you're going to go. I, you know, years and years ago, a friend of mine wanted me to go wanted to go see Gordon Lightfoot, and I'm like, ah, oh, sure, we'll go. And I have to, I knew half the songs. I was like, I'm surprised. I didn't know. The, I go, I didn't know he sang that. I didn't know he sang that. I didn't know he sang that. But I, you know, there's so many people out there that are making good music that uh, sometimes you just don't realize that the influence that they've had uh, over uh, so many other people. No, yeah, absolutely, and that—that's—that's that's just to say the least, you know. <laughs> it's like one of the one of the bands I loved, you know, uh, growing up was Tesla, and you know that was—I think they're from Sacramento, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But they were they were a band, you know. We we loved the me and my friend Anthony. We loved the guitars. We would learn the songs and play their songs. But they had a lot of great songs, you know. They just had great song after great song. And the thing is, too, they weren't all number one hits. Right. They were just they were just great songs. I mean, there's a. There's a song called Mona Lisa and Mad Hatters from Elton John. That was never a hit, but nevertheless, it's a beautiful song. You know, it's like <laughs> well, you people know, think people people think people think nowadays you have to have a hit for it to be a great song. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, I, I remember reading years ago that you know Jimmy Buffett. I think he only had one song that cracked the top ten, but he sells out worldwide everywhere he goes. And, and you know, I, I think if you're writing good music. You know, people are gonna people are gonna be um, be moved to it or towards it, and they're gonna appreciate it, and they're gonna they're gonna support it. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like I was watching a one hit wonder thing, and uh, you know, one of the ones that kind of threw me off was Radiohead was considered is considered a one hit wonder because of a song called Creep, and you're just like, wow. Maybe that was their only hit, but you know they have a they, they they. I mean, they pretty much have a cult. They have that, not a cult status. They're just. I mean, they play anywhere in the world and they sell out yeah. stadiums and arenas, and you know, and so it's, it just it just it just goes to say at least this one that baffles your mind a little bit. But I mean, it's just it's just it's just your legion of fans that you have, you know. Exactly, Grateful Dead proved that. You know, oh, absolutely! Yeah. <laughs> one of the uh, one, we, we got we got another one we're going to play from you in just a minute. But one of the one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was um, a lot of times, you know, in, in the indie scene, you kind of have to play where you can where you can get booked. And 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 I, I talked to guys and they said, you know, we played bars, you know, where I'm a singer songwriter, and, you, and sometimes yeah. it's kind of hard to play over the the. You know the, the clinking of the glasses and this that, and other, and play coffee houses and get the espresso machines going and stuff like that. Do you when you when you're booking uh, gigs, uh, you know, are you are you finding that you're hitting places that really appreciate and uh, uh, the the singer songwriter and are set up for that, the sounds for that, and all that kind of good stuff? Well, you know, one of the things is it's 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 pretty interesting that you bring that up. It, uh, you know, uh, the it's getting better. It's getting better, but I don't. It's, you can't say when I play a coffee shop. You're right about that. I remember I heard John Mayer talking about that one time, where he where he goes, "I'm playing a song, and all I hear is," <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It's funny when I hear that sound. I think when I hear that sound at a coffee shop, I think of that. Yeah. But you know, it really doesn't bother me much because you know, it's just like people. You know, people st- have started to come out. You know, and listen to listen to you know live music i mean we do 
I like the way Jimmy Wilkins is. We play originals and originals by other artists, you know, and we uh, we we keep it mainly with our originals and, and people, you know. People kind of go, man, I'm digging that. I mean, it's it's it's. I I, I was I was. I was saying, uh, you know, I was telling Leroy, I said, you know, some people think that my originals are covers. And he goes, that's a good thing, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting better, you know? And it's like, there's no, there's the venues we play, like the Executive Surf Club, the House of Rock, you know, Rockets, you know, um, Cafe Calypso and Tapology, these places around Corpus Christi. There's a few other places that I didn't mention, but they, 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 they really have a captive audience that go listen to the music and sit there and, you know the owners of the venues. God bless them. They're very, they're very passionate about you know having having music there. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, let's let's uh, let's play your let's play your your other one. I think it's uh, I want to know. Uh, that's off the first. This off the second record. Second record. It's the uh, opening track. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of got a it's kind of got a little Cars, Jackson Brown, Bruce Springsteen, Elvis Costello. Uh, Rick Springfield type feel with it. I just named all those people because that was that's what a lot of people like Cindy and all them compared it to when they heard it. <laughs> nice. Well, let's listen to that. We're here with uh, David Martinez out of Corpus Christi, Texas, and this is I Want to Know. Back after this. Sometimes I walk in the rain When the sky's crying loud I think of all that good love That has been in my life And there's nothing sweeter Than when it comes having you around I live each day with your breath Now you know why fly? I see all the signs on the wall. I'm the one who always takes the fall.
listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, this is Normandy Wilson, and you're listening to Snoop's World. And welcome back to Snoop's World on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're here with David Martinez, and uh, that was just, uh, I want to know, David, it... Those uh, those influence you mentioned, uh, I got those, man. I, I definitely got a little Rick Springfield, some cars, and yeah. a couple other things out of that. That was good. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, it was kind of funny because the classic, it's a classic riff, and you know, Leroy goes, "It reminds me of Rainbow." Uh, that song from Rainbow, uh, "Since You've Been Gone." Since you've been gone. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, kind of, and it's it's kind of funny because you, you know you can take those classic riffs and you know just tweak with them, and, you know, so. Yeah, it was like that. That song that was that, that was that was a cool way that song came about. So it was, it was, um, you know, it was like I was playing. I had written the song and I had the song written, and you know, I was playing a chord progression, and we were like, "Hey, man, I like that chord progression." So sing the verse over that, and I was like, "Okay," I sang and it fit perfectly, and we were just like, "Oh," <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I goes, "I guess you could figure something else after that chord progression," and that's the part that going to the studio. It, it, uh you end up finding something that was right in front of you, you know, that works better. Right. Very nice. You know, David, we tried to cover a lot tonight and, and make sure we talked about all the things you want to talk about. Was there, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't yet had a chance to uh, hit on? Well, I like people to visit me online, you know, and uh, go to davidmartinezmusic.com and add me on Facebook, add me on Twitter. And, uh, I'm going to be releasing this record. I'm sending everything off tomorrow during South by Southwest in Austin. And, you know, we're going to do a CD-only release for the first uh, couple of weeks before we go digital. But um, I would like people to come and visit me, you know, go on Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, and you know, buy buy my CD and help them support independent music when once it's released. You know. Absolutely. And, and uh, that's what I always want to make sure people know where they can buy your music and uh and, and, and follow you and contact with you and, and, and keep in touch that way they can keep uh, keep an eye keep an eye out for when you're coming to their area and, and come and see you live yes they can they can go on iTunes CD Baby Amazon you know and you can stream on you know such places as Spotify um, um, iTunes I, uh, I, um, Apple Music um, Rhapsody things like that one of the things is just when you look for David Martinez, make sure that you uh, that you find the right David Martinez. <laughs> I have a couple of records. There's a lot of David Martinez. It's a, it's a very common name. It's like it's like having a name like Sam Jones, you know. Yeah. And I, <laughs> some lady. Well, so I, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to call out any of the other David Martinez's, but some lady some lady heard my song. She goes, "Well, I like this song and this song, but I don't like this song. I don't like that song." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but I went. I went to go look. And I go, oh, okay. I hope people don't think that. <laughs> that was an interesting thing. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and it, it's not. It's not that I expect everybody to like my song. All right. My songs. I, I would love it if they did, but uh, you know, I'm hoping they at least like a couple of songs. You know, and you know that'll. Couple of songs from each record, you know, and that'll work for me, you know, as long as they like something. And gonna... as long as, as long as they they like are actually your songs, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Well, David, it's been a pleasure, man, and, and enjoyed having you on the show. And, and the best of luck to you too, I man. Appreciate it. Love your music. I appreciate so, it. So Thank you so much. I appreciate stuff. it. All right, brother. We'll talk to you again soon, hopefully.
Yeah, absolutely. I'm just you just let me know when. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. Bye. David Martinez, everybody. Check him out. David Martinez And uh you can uh, find all everything you need to know about him there. And uh like you said, follow him on Twitter and Facebook and all those great things and and uh, show some support for our indie musicians. We're gonna take a quick break and come back and uh have the great Anthony Davis on the show. So uh speaking of uh Independent musicians. Let's listen to a little John Gannon. Uh, John's been on the show uh, quite a few times. He's got some of our favorites, favorite songs. And let's see if we can dig him up here. There we go. Saturday morning I jump out of bed and my clothes are laid out like a fireman. I bust out the door, blast off on my Schwinn and I ride like the wind. With those Marlboro boys with fake Pendleton shirts and their painter hats backwards, little Brad lackeys would of earth and of plywood we stole from our father's garages and we'd risk life and limb on a whim we'd be soldiers and ducking the dirt clad barrages with those farmer old boys with fake Pendleton shirts and we'd curse like the sons of longshoremen and foremen was beat by the greatest but he made us reach for the Knievel, because 
I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Look for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. We gotta talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics, or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted, and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Now that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hi, we're the Enablers, enablers, and you're you're listening listening to Swoop Swirl. Swoops World, and uh, what time do we get a little AD on the line here? Let's uh, let's find AD's intro. Bop, 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 bop. Leave your mess. All right, we're gonna to try to get AD again, man. I tell you, the last couple of times we had AD, we had uh, some problems with the old phone. Let's see, uh, he's texting me to say, "Go ahead and call." I just called. So pick up the phone, brother. Let's try it again. Bum. 
Anyway, check out davidmartinezmusic.com. All right, we want to welcome back our good friend and colleague, the great five-time national champion, two-time All-American out of USC, Anthony Davis. How you doing, man? How are you? I'm doing great, brother. We uh, you know, we 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 wanted to chat with you about all kinds of things as always. Uh, but let's let's kind of you know, go back to uh, you, know, you know we were talking a few weeks ago. Uh, you know the Rams are back in town. That was a, the last team you were on, I believe. And uh, you know things uh, things seem to be moving forward, and, and they're uh, getting settled in. What do you think uh, this this year's looks like for them? Well, I think it's going to be a slow year just for the relocation of the ball players. Like I said. These guys got to move their families. They got to get houses. They got to settle in. That that that's a that's a major move. Yeah. I mean, these guys are moving now. I just think you know they better consider that. They should be competitive, but you know the off the field is going to be a going to take away from on the field. One uh, one of the things that you and I had talked about also recently was the fact that um, you know with the uh, 49ers, Chip Kelly is coming in as the head coach. And, uh, you know, he likes that kind of that run-and-gun stuff. And I uh, thought Kaepernick would be uh, be his guy. But I, I, I saw a report uh, last week or, yeah, last week that his uh, Kaepernick's agent said uh, they, they want to trade. Uh, it depends on where he fits. Uh, the thing is, I think he's a Kelly man. He's certainly for Kelly, but obviously it's a, it's a total organizational problem that they have. That's what I can take. Yeah. I believe that how can you get rid of a guy like Jim Harbour and what he did with Kaepernick, you know, one play away from winning the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden he's not playing. So I think it's an or- or- organizational problem that they have overall, and I think that's the reason why they want to trade. Do you think, you know, you've, you've, you've seen this business for a long time, you know, and you know how things work. Yeah, you think uh... – uh, sometimes I hear guys, uh, you know, I, we didn't hear from him. We heard, you know, the, the report was his 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 business, his agent uh, was saying that he they were seeking a trade. You think it's a money move or uh, or, or a plain demand, or you think it's uh, really looking for a different uh, different organization? I think it's a plain demand and and, and and an organization that fits. But also when he goes in there, I mean, everybody knows he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks. Far him and uh, Cam Newton, the most athletic quarterbacks in the league. With, with God-gifted ability. So, I mean, somebody needs to take him. I mean, and, and, and they will build something around him, like Jim Hopper did. So, whoever's smart out there will pick him pick him up. Yeah. You know, because this would be the third. If he stayed with the Kelly situation, it would be the third system he would be under. See, that's why I talk about system. So, he's got to learn a whole new system. Wherever he goes, he's got to learn a whole new system. It's interesting that we've been talking uh, for several years now, and you're always talking, you know, you're always bringing up the fact that these guys have to play under, you know, they have to learn these systems, play under these systems. There are so many teams this last few years that we've seen that have gone through so many different systems in a short period of time, and uh, those aren't the ones that are being successful, are they? No, you don't win when you change systems. See, when you get, when you get to the Division One and you did to get the pro football, it's academic. It's academic. It's not physical. It's academic. It's mental. It's how you're prepared mentally uh, through a system. And that's the reason why the Patriots is so great. That's why Seattle's so good, because they got a system. They just, they just fill in pieces because, because the majority of their team knows the system. They know it like the back of their hands. It's second nature. 
when you're changing coaches and changing players, that's a mess. All, all these owners are going to spend money. <laughs> how did how did the Broncos pull it off? I mean, they 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 ch- they changed coaches after last season. Uh, you know, and then they they went they won the Super Bowl this year. Uh, you know, I mean that's 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 something different. That's that's an anomaly, right? Well, it is, but basically, you know, they kept most of that stuff in place due to the fact with with Peyton Manning being there. So, so, so it was a blend of Manning and the new staff. So, and it, and it worked for the last two years. So, I mean, that's a that's a phenomenal transformation with the Bronco organization. But most organizations don't do what the Broncos have done. Right. And you got a quarterback that's up in the age, and you do that, you got to take your hats off to him. And then the fact is, they, they, they defensively. Is what carried them a whole year. Uh, is what you take your hats off to with with that, with that situation. And then you know, and with, with Coach Phillips there, who I know, did a great job in keeping that defense together. Right. Speaking of older quarterbacks, I, I read an article. I read a report this week that uh, the Patriots extended Manning's contract. Uh, not Manning's. Uh, Brady's contract. Uh, so when his contract is up, he'll be forty-two years old. Um, you know, you've talked a lot about uh, head trauma, uh, you've got, you know, the, the length in the league. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of these quarterbacks are, are, are getting uh, some serious time in there. A lot of these guys are playing 15, 16 years uh, and, and more. Um, what are your thoughts about him? Uh, you know, I mean, he's still playing good ball, I mean, as far as his, his, uh, his abilities go. Uh, but what do you think the toll on his body is going to be? Well, first of all, you know, he's had a, he had a, a knee injury. He's not, he's having to, he's never had, he's had, he has not had so much head trauma, but he's had trauma. Don't get me wrong now, but he hasn't had major trauma like a linebacker or running back or whatever, but, but he's going to deal with it too. And the longer you play, the more you're going to get, but he's 42 years old coming out. Probably going to go down as the greatest quarterback in the, in the game up to this point. Uh, he's going to have issues. Everybody does. No one escapes. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, everyone. Everybody's had problems. And, uh, and, and the thing is, all I'm suggesting, and I've always have, they should start treating their, mind, their brains now, you know, while they're in the game. And they haven't embraced that. I think the league will do that down the road. Right. But these guys better know that guys are retiring earlier due to the fact of anticipation of that. So, yeah, I mean, he'll be 42 years old, but when, he, when you hit 42 and you're out of the game, you can get straight to a doctor, like a doctor ain't. What's interesting is, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about concussions, we talk about head trauma, and, and of course your brain is, is you know, is a very, very important, vital organ in your body. But uh, a lot of these guys, I mean, the, just the joint pain and the body aches, and, you know, when you when you stop playing, I mean, I'm sure that you, you had pains and knocks and bruises that lasted uh, far beyond the years of, uh, of play, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, of course, the brain is the, 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 the most important organ, but the bottom line is you got your joints. You know, you got all that other stuff. You know, you know, you've got your heart, your lungs. You know, everything that you that you put on the line in football is affected. You know, so when you play this game, the game of football, your body takes a toll from head to toe, head to toe. I mean, sometimes I can tell you when it's going to rain down the road. I mean, 
because of because of aches and pains and stuff. And, 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 and look and look at in my career compared to and really I didn't play that long in the National Football. I mean I didn't play professional football long at all right. in terms in terms of how God is playing. But even still, the t- the time that I played, I had I had major issues. Can you imagine a guy that plays ten to fifteen years? What he what his body looks like, what feels like, or what a scan will show. I'm, I'm, so, so I'm so, so, so what I'm saying, uh, you know, you feel it internally, you feel it externally. Right. It's interesting, you know. You mentioned, you know, we talk about these quarterbacks uh, that play play a long, long, have a lot of longevity, and you don't see. A, but when you see some of the interior linemen who play that, man, I mean, like Jackie Slater, guys like that. I mean, he, you know, he's in the trenches for twenty years. Twenty. Uh, you know that's that's got to be that's got to be rough. Well, matter of fact, I, I I ran into one of the guys who knows Jackie. And I played with Jackie for a while with the Rams, and I've been trying to reach Jackie. No response. He's one guy that needs to check his brain, and and I, when I understand, he hasn't done that. If he has, nobody knows. And a lot of people don't like it. And, 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 and frankly, let's just face it: a lot of people don't even a lot of these former players don't even want more people to know. They might have these issues. Well, the cat's out of the bag now. You, it, it's, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It is what it is. But Jackie needs to go and seek and see what is it he needs to do to prolong his life and make it a healthy, decent, and quality life. Yeah. But 20 years in pro football, unbelievable. You know, Junior Seau, Mike Webster, I mean, you name it, Jerry Rice, all these guys. No one escapes the game of football with head trauma. No one escapes it. I don't care who you are. And you and you're playing football into your late thirties and forties. Unbelievable. I mean you you're really subject to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Talking about the business side of the football now, you know, this we we starting to hear that the the the, the uh, teams are starting to you know give these players the uh, what do you call it? The franchise tag, you know, is, is, is you know, because you know all the negotiations going on now and stuff like this. How important is it for a player to, uh, you know, to be deemed the, the you know the the you know the franchise, you know, because I, I know it's a big contract, but then uh, lots of times lots of times they're tied to the team longer than they want they they wanted to or they can anticipate. Uh, a lot of times these teams have to restructure their contracts. Um, in order to keep other players, or they lose, they lose important players to free agency because uh, the franchise tag they put on certain guys. Um, did they have the franchise tag when you were playing? I don't believe they did. And and how important is it for individuals today? First of all, we didn't have franchise tag. Matter of fact, we didn't even have free agency. We didn't have any of that. When you got to a team, you were stuck. Unless a team really wanted you, it was a mutual understanding that. You know, if somebody wanted Anthony Davis, then the trade was made. Right. But but players couldn't move. After three or four years, you couldn't move. You know, restricted and unrestricted, none of that existed. And if you're getting tabbed today, that means you're very valuable, and, and, and they want to keep you, and they want to keep you to the point where they renegotiate. Like, you take, like, Von Miller. They're going to tag him. They really don't want him to leave. So, so down the road, they have to have some limit to straighten that out. They're going to negotiate and get negotiate him a long-term deal. That's why they franchise him because they don't want to lose him. Yeah, you know. So I mean, but any all of that stuff back yesteryear was not there. 
that's another disadvantage that I played through. So, you know, uh, uh, for example, I mean, I ended up with Tampa Bay. I was part of that 0 26 stuff. Yeah. So you can imagine how my body was and how I beat up I was. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, who, 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 who gets through that? So, I mean, if we had free agency in my day, it'd been a whole different game. I mean, I, I probably stayed in the NFL, period, if it was free agency. Right. There was no free agency. You you bring up a question, man, and, and it's got to be difficult. I mean, you you know you played on all those championship teams, national champions, and uh, your you know high school this that, and the other. What's it like playing a team that's all in twenty six, man? I mean, that's what's that locker room like? Can is it, do you have any enjoyment going to work or? What I mean, it wasn't any, it wasn't any enjoyment. I mean, you know, I mean, before the game, you knew you were going to lose. I mean, we try to be a little competitive. But it was so downtrodden when we were down in Tampa. Yeah. You know, I came in from Canada, and, 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 you know, Ricky Bell and I were the two top names on the team. We were the targets. We were the, we were the target ball players when we put, played anyone. And, you know, and, and, and everybody was from left field, different schools, different systems. A lot of people just didn't buy in the McCabe system. They're coming from USC. It was tough. Yeah. It was real tough. And all that, you know, we had, you had to deal with the public scrutiny, you know, uh, you know, here's McKay throw all the so uh, throw all the so and so's in the bay. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It was just tough. And then the reporters would always ask you, ask you the same stuff. You know, what are you gonna do? I mean, you can't badmouth the organization. I couldn't do that. Right. So I mean, you know, uh and then, you know, to the point where some teams we played, they had sympathy for us. When we hit the third, fourth quarter, they just took it easy on us. <laughs> <laughs> They took it easy on us. I mean, you know, I remember, I remember we going to Dallas and playing with a CBS game. Never get it. I mean, it was it was a year that Dallas won the Super Bowl. I mean, it was Randy White, Too Tall Jones, Harvey Martin, Thomas Henderson, D.D. Lewis. I mean, I mean, all these guys just pounding on you. Yeah. And I remember, I remember Randy White hit me in the third, fourth quarter. He said, "I got to give you a break, A.D." <laughs> <laughs> I gotta give you a second, and, and and they knocked Ricky out. Ricky Ricky went out with a shoulder injury, and and then after the game, I'm talking to Thomas Henderson and and Tony Dorsett, and and you know, and uh, and it was unbelievable. Wow. I mean, he was, was awful. I mean, some games I was like minus yardage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, that that does something for your stats. You know, like I said, you pretty much in my. I was so beat up when I got to the Rams. Uh, I thought it was a shock because I had a great team, yeah. and then you know, administrative things changed, and all of a sudden, I remember if anybody remembers back in the day, uh, Carol Rosenblum died under suspicious circumstances, and that pretty much ended what it because he really he wanted me in the team, and I'm letting everybody know in this, this listen to this broadcast. Carol Rosenblum wanted me in that organization. He literally knew he had three first-round draft picks when I came out of school. And he said, he said, he, he told my agent that he should have drafted me and took me in one of those spots. He regretted that, and he was trying to get my rights. And if free agency would have been around in those days, I'd have been there right away. But it didn't happen. I had to become a free agent and then get there. Right. But when he died, that pretty much ended my career. Because everything changed there. And then I saw a son years ago, and he said, you, you know, my father really wanted you here. And they, they, they were going to build a package around me, along with the great, you know, Cullen Bryant, who would have been the fullback, Terry Nelson, uh, Harold Jackson, 
uh, and, and great players, and Jack Youngblood, Jim Youngblood. A lot of people don't know that. And plus, I was one of the, considered one of the top kick returners in the league. So it was a dual thing from the kick returner for the running back spot. And that was it. That was going to be their neutral plan. And the fact I'm from California, I'm from Samlin High School, I went to USC. So, so it was a marketing thing on and off the field. Right. So they were so they were really packaging things. So for you Ram fans, or the, the, the look think about the great Ram team. Uh, if Carol and Moon lives, I believe we win two Super Bowls. And I'm part of that team, but it didn't happen. And uh, and I pretty much, the plans went out the window because right. they did not honor what he wanted to do. And, of course, if anybody knows the history of the Rams, they got rid of Steve Rosenblum, Carol Rosenblum's son. Now, go figure that. Yeah. So when Georgia Frontier and, whatever, and that regime came in, that changed everything. You know, uh, we remember, remember, remember when she took over. I remember when Carol Rosenblum died, um, and you know, it's just it's something, something about the whole team changed right after that. And uh, well, changed totally, totally, yeah. totally changed. I mean, uh, I was talking to Vince Ferragamo, matter of fact, uh, three weeks ago about that, and he was he was shaking his head to he knew the kind of team we could have had because on paper. We had the best talent in the league back in 78, 79, and 80. That, that, that was on, on paper. We had the best talent in the league in terms of every position. Right. And then, you know, and then and other than, you know, you can say the great student team with Joe Green and Elsie Greenwood, then you can, you know, go toe-to-toe with them. You know, but but overall, you know, me and tailback, Cullen Bryant at fullback, uh, you know, there was nobody in the league that, that comes to that. I mean, it was Dorsett and, and, and Robert Newhouse, but it ain't comparable to what we had offensively with the Rams. Was now, somebody, was... somebody, would argue, somebody would argue about me and what I'm saying, but, hey, if, if you people remember the 70s and what I was doing coming out of school, out of college, and what I did in the World Football League, you know, you, you all knew what I could do in the National Football League. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a question of the fact that I couldn't play in the National Football League. I got with bad teams. And when I finally got with a big team, administratively, one of the top on his league died mysteriously, and that changed everything with me and a few other ball players on the team. It went south. Right. You were you were in a unique position. You played in the, you played in the NFL, the the World Football League, and Canadian Football League, and and I know the rules in, in Canada are a little bit different. But what are the differences? I mean, you know, talent wise, uh, in, in the in the different leagues, is the talent was it comparable? Um, the fan base, what were the differences that you noticed playing in the three different leagues? Well, first of all, in the World Football League, that was the NFL. Those were the NFL players in the World Football League. Yeah, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, you. Uh, right, and I led that league in rushing, led the league in scoring, our second receiving. And matter of fact, when they should when they did the franchise team, you're talking about Seattle fans, but the, the franchise, one, one of the top owners his name was John Bassett. He's passed away now. His idea was to assemble the top players in the World Football League, which would have been the, 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 the Memphis Southmen and the Birmingham Birmingham Stallions. Those, that's what he wanted to do, be the two NFL franchise teams. So, so basically what he wanted me to do, what they wanted to do, they want me to be with the Memphis Southmen team. It would have been myself, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, Paul Warfield, and Danny White. That would have been our offensive team. Wow. Going into the going into the national football as a franchise, that's been perfect. 
Man, that would have been a good team. And then you had the Birmingham Stallions, uh, Birmingham Stallions, with a guy by the name of Matthew Reed, a six foot five quarterback. Uh, that was a quarterback there was was burning the league up too. So that that's the two teams that, that John Bassett wanted to be a franchise team. But the NFL was so anti WFL that they weren't having that. They weren't gonna have it at all. Yeah. So basically, a lot of us we were blackballed ball players coming out of the World Football League. We were essentially blackballed. So and then you go to Canada, and the Canadians couldn't match natural because Canada these guys were it was a combination of American players with Canadian ball players. The Canadian ball players couldn't compete with the American ball players because it was a quota system up there. Well, they it had to be 15 Canadians and 16 Americans on each team. Ah. So really the best players weren't playing. So if you had a whole field training camp of maybe 25 Americans, it had to be 15 Canadians and 15 Canadians, 17 Canadians, uh, 15 Canadians and 17 Americans on each team. That was a quarter system up there. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. I, I, I always disagree with that. I don't even know why I ended up there anyway. I, I think that was one of my biggest mistakes in the profession too. I mean, the money was great, but uh, profession was a bad move. Was it difficult to learn? There, there's some there's some different rule changes and some different motions and and, and movement that can go along, and the field's a little bit wider. But uh, was oh, it the field's like I think you think is sixty years yards wider, and, and it's a hundred hundred. 120 yards in length. Yeah. They got end zones. You know, they got 20 yards of end zones, and you can throw all day going in those end zones. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, well, Canada has the motion stuff. They have three downs, the whole deal. I was pretty much a receiver up there, which I had to, I had a problem with one of the coaches up there by the name of uh, Russ Jackson, the head coach there, who to this day I still have, don't have great feelings for this guy because you know he pretty much just. Uh, you know, I mean, how, how, do, how do you have the one of the top American ball players up there and you don't use them properly? So, yeah. And a, and a guy by the name of J.I. Albert, who used to be the scout for the New England Patriots, was the general manager up there, and uh, and he was just he was disturbed by how it was being used too. So, my professional football career up there was nothing. And then then after that, I, I leave Canada, come to Can- come down to Tampa Bay, 0 and 26, got killed there. I got injured in Canada as well. Hurt my back. Should have never played the rest of the year. I came back too fast, you know, and, and, and I hurt my back even more. Went down to Tampa, got beat up there, eventually got out of there and ended up with the Rams. And so, so, so therefore, after the World Football League, for me, and anybody who played against me knew that I was capable of playing anywhere and playing the National Bowl and, and having a luscious career. But the bottom line is I got with the wrong teams, wrong career moves, and that's what happened to me. But Fast forward to, to today, the doctor said the greatest thing that happened to you is that you didn't get to play that one. Your body got beat up, and your head got beat up, but not the way it could have if you played 10 years. Right. It's interesting when you, you kind of talk about some of these names, and you said you mentioned that, you know, what's his name? Was the general manager there uh, who was with the New England Patriots? Uh, you know, uh, I was watching a, a, a special uh, of, uh, last year. On the uh, the World Football League, and, and I, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I might have known then, but I don't. I didn't remember. But Donald Trump was one of the owners of uh, one of the teams. Uh, well, he was, he was one of the owners of the USFL team. Oh, USFL. He was the owner of the New Jersey Generals, okay. the team that got acquired Herschel Walker. Right. That's that's what I was watching. I was watching the Herschel Walker uh, right. bio on uh, 
on the NFL Network. That's Donald Trump right. owned the New Jersey Generals of the USFL of Herschel Walker. That was that's, that's the year I was in the league. And, uh, you know, it's even still, even then, you know, it was obvious that those are still college ball players and blended with uh, NFL players as well. Yeah. Just like what the world football is. So you know when we hear the, we hear these stories about uh, the NFL, uh, you know when they did the, the, the thing with NFL Europe, and uh, I think um, uh, what's his name he ended up winning the Super Bowl. Actually, came out of there, played for the played for the Rams. But you know you hear about these these other leagues, and you know there's the Arena League and and, uh, and things like that. These leagues, but you you have always said that there's people walking the streets complaining the NFL, but these leagues that come up, they pop up and stuff like that. It doesn't sound like there's enough talent there that all of those guys could play in the NFL. It's just it's a few guys in those leagues that can play in the NFL. Well, put it this way. There's only so many spots in any league. There's right. only so many spots in the National Football League. So therefore you gotta be the cream of the cream. You gotta be with the best program. You gotta be seen by the right people, the right person. You gotta be in the right place at the right time. Sport is all timing. It's all timing. Because I've seen guys in training camp that were flat out better than the guys starting and, and got released. That that baffled me all the time. Right. That's the reason I'm going to ask you. And they, can, and they can say whatever they want. That's a myth. There are guys walking around, walking the street in practice squad. They can play. They can play. You take the kid that became the star at that, that, that Super Bowl with the Patriots. Right. I was working with the Hamburger stand. The kid was working the defensive back to intercept that thing with the Seattle Seahawks. Right. Patriots. He was working in a hamburger place. Kurt Warner was working in it, it was a box boy. Yeah. I mean nobody nobody wanted Tom Brady, the six round draft choice. Tom Brady. Six time Super Bowl, four time champion Tom Brady. Yeah. Nobody wanted him. Hundred ninety nine picks. There's a lot of Tom Brady's wandering around. It all depends on what team you get with. And who's looking at you and what team you get within the right time. If, if Tom Brady, if Tom, I think you see Sparks of Brady with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady is, 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 is with the Miami Dolphins, Tom Brady ain't in those Super Bowls. <laughs> if Tom Brady's with the Detroit Lions, Tom Brady's not in the Super Bowl. Right. You see, so it's all about timing, coaching, system, right place, right time. That's it. There's guys walking the streets and playing the national. And that's BS, and that's a and that's a myth. If anybody tries to tell you that, well, because I played with guys in Tampa, if they put the Steelers and Cowboys, they got Super Bowl rings. Right. We had talent down there. It just with an symbol. It was it was whacked out. You couldn't get along. Everybody questions each other. You didn't have anything on the same on the same page. Unbelievable. That's. So, that's got to be. I mean, that's extremely got to be extremely tough because, first of all, you're talking about professional football players. That's a, that's a bunch of Type A personalities. Most of the guys, when you get to that level, you've play, you've been you've played a lot of years as a winner, and then uh, you know you might you might have come to some come up from some college that didn't have a, a great team, but you 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 had you were you played a lot of winning teams, and then you come to the you know you make it to an NFL team, and you're basically you know that that long a losing streak. I mean, you know, it's it's got to be really. Uh, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I played on a Pop Warner team that didn't win a game, 
you know, after coming off a, coming off another Pop Warner team, they didn't lose a game. And I remember how miserable I felt at 13 years old, man. Well, you got to imagine me. Here, I come out of five, five national champions. So probably the, arguably the greatest college football team in college football history, 1972 Trophy. Did all the stuff that I did, you know, the biggest name in college football, the biggest name coming out of football in, in, when I just my senior year. And you had Super Bowl, all pro written all over you, and nothing happened. Yeah. You know, it was like I just fell off in the ocean and disappeared, other than the World Football League. You see, so, but I always tell people, if I get drafted by Dallas Cowboy that year, or Pittsburgh Center, like a Lynn Swan who came out of SC, who was with the city and, and joined up with the, with the Steelers, he didn't have the career I had, nowhere close. But he had four years, he had four Super Bowl rings. Right. So if I'm with the Steelers in the organization those years, I got those rings. <laughs> <laughs> I got those rings. So I'm saying, or I got at least one. Right. <laughs> you see, look at Tony Benson. He was at Hyden Trophy in 1977. The next year, he goes to the Dallas Cowboys rookie year, go to the Super Bowl. The year he got stomped, the year they stomped us when I was in Tampa Bay, part of the 0 26 deal. Well, so once you switch places with me, with, you put Tony with Tampa, put me with Dallas. I got that ring. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you, take, you, look, look, you look at Marcus Dallas. At SC, he didn't do what I did at SC. You know, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, and he ran for yards and yards and yards. He never won anything there. During his time as a key, he was a he was with Charlie White all this years before when he was a fullback, but he came to tailback. But he he steps in with the Raiders with the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you see, he, so it's all about timing and who gets you, right? And I always tell, and, and people always start putting it. Oh, you know, he was a bust. He was this. No, he was he was a bust. Wrong team, wrong situation. Well, that's, that's all it is. That's my that's my that's my issue sometimes when people talk about you know like certain you know different quarterbacks and whether or not they want a Super Bowl you know um, I mean Dan Marino is probably you know he's got to be in the top ten quarterbacks of all time he didn't have a ring you know it's just like I, I understand well, I, I, I understand I understand that the, the the Super Bowl is like the World Series like the NBA championship I get that but with a team sport. Sometimes there's little pieces that you you can't you have no control over. I mean, you you know, so you can still be be very accomplished on the field and and, and go a long ways, but winning a championship doesn't it's not the end all is whether or not you are a great player or not. That doesn't define <coughs> excuse me. That doesn't define you as being a great of being a great player. You can be a great player when you don't have a championship ring or not. But since we live in a society that 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 that, that where they look at you and they, and they and they and they gear you and they define you as how many championships you win. That's the sad thing about how how sport is, is handled. You know, you don't win. If you're not in the Super Bowl club, well, you're a second tier guy. The thing with Dan Marino with the Miami Dolphins is that it was all Dan Marino and it, it, it didn't have a balance attack. And and Don Shula, who had the great '72 Dolphins, he had a balance attack with Greasy. You know, Mercury Moore, Jim Kick, and, and, and Larry Zonka, and Paul Warfield, and Marlon Briscoe, and, and he had a balanced attack. Right. Well, he would have had an attack with Dan Marino. If Dan Marino would have had a substantial running game along with his great passing, he's got a couple of simple, he might have one simple, definitely maybe two. But it was all Dan Marino. 
and you can't win. You gonna live with the past. You gonna die with the past. Right. You see, and that, and I believe I contributed to one of the problems that they have with the. But he's a great player, Hall of Famer, but he didn't get that ring. You see, so everything is geared on by the ring. You can be a great player, but a lot of people judge on the, the ring club. Yeah. Ray Bradshaw got four. <laughs> well, look at Jim, Jim Kelly. Ball. Jim Kelly went to four Super Bowls, right? I lost you, man. I think uh, you know you, we were talking. You said you said uh, that uh, Bradshaw's got four rings, and which is great. And but I, uh, and if you're still there, if you, if you catch this, I, you know Jim Kelly, I, I believe. With I think the Bills went to three or four Super Bowls. They lost them all, and they went to back to back Super Bowls. To me. Getting there that often, that many times, is is something that most people, even winning teams, can't accomplish. So, you get, there's got to be something said for that too. I think we lost a great AV. Well, we'll give him a call back. We'll take a quick break. You listen to Swoops Run on the Talk Star Radio Network, and uh, let's listen to a quick one here before we uh, get AD back and start to wrap things up. J. Ross Pirelli, like water. You can't be bad like water. You only need to win a one I try to hold you, but I got you, my baby. You can't be bad like water. You only need to win a one I try to hold you, but I got you, my baby. Like fresh air, I can't breathe unless you're near. I feel your shadow when I'm not there. I lose my cool when you walk in a room. I can be your back, you can be my boo. Never met a man that could sway my heart. Like Romeo, you play the part. Use love as an art. Make each day feel like a new start. You match my beat. Magically turn passion to heat I sweat from my palms to my feet You make me so damn weak I love your technique You're so damn unique Rebel race fist with soul screen And soul sensitivity with the most masculine flow If you're in it, then the world is mine If only I can find you every lifetime You can't be bad like water You only need to win a puncture I try to hold you but I got you My baby Hello Hello. There you are, brother. Uh, he, that was J. Ross Pirelli, called Like Water. If you get a chance, check out J. Ross Pirelli. She's a, a, a past guest on the show, good good friend of the show, and just outstanding music. We got AD back on the line, man. So I don't know if you heard what I was saying and what I was asking you about, but, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, I know everybody gets judged by the wins, but you, you, take, a, you take a team like the Bills uh, and Jim Kelly, who went there – I don't know four times. I think they went there two or three three years in a row. Those are quite a, those are quite big accomplishment, accomplishments that a lot of winning teams haven't gone there that many times, especially you know back to back, you know, or maybe three times in a row. Well, look, you, they, you, you, you look at you look at Marino, you look at Kelly, and yeah, they got to the Super Bowl, but they just, they just didn't win it. That's what it is, is that little piece is gone. But they're great, but that little piece they needed to have, that little extra diamond is what they needed. That's what Brady has. That's what Montana has. But even Brent Favre only has one. 
you know. So or Aaron Rodgers who just has one, but they have one. They don't have any. You gotta you gotta get in the club. Talk about. <laughs> you see, if you're not in the club, or you're not you're in the club, but you're not in the club house. <laughs> so that's what it is. I hear you, bro. I hear you. I see where you're coming from. I mean, you on you on you know you, you know you're on the golf course, but you ain't you ain't you're not you're not a dainty hole. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know you're, you know you know you know you at the dance, but you can't dance with the pretty girl. <laughs> You made it in the door, but you got to stand around. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's what it is. Yeah. Well, it, it's... You know, like, like, like with me, you know, I mean, it's like with me. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, I got to the big time, but I didn't do well in the big time because of whatever the circumstance, see? Right. And I can always say that I played professionally, and I was one of the biggest names coming out of school and played up there, but I didn't accomplish the stuff that I'm was projected to do due to many circumstances. Right. But people who played against me knew what knew I was what I was capable of doing. It's still, it's still bottom line is you're only as good as what you're surrounded surrounded by. You know, it's it's a team sport, and 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 that's that's my point about uh, you know as far as. The championship aspect of it, you know, it's a team sport. You, you know, you talk about like a golfer or a tennis player or even a wrestler, you know, or, or a skier or whatever. All these individual sports, you know, if you say, "Hey, listen, you never won one," that's that to me. That's a big difference opposed to a, a team sport because, you know, you look, you can look at LeBron can score eighty points, you know, but uh, if somebody else gives up a three at the end of the game and they lose by they lose by one. Doesn't make him any less. You know what I mean? You won this many championships and not that many. It's a team sport, so it, it, a lot of pieces have to fit, and so it's a it's a team effort. That's why I'm saying when we start talking about like a, a quarterback who hasn't won a thing, eh, you know, it's the teams the teams are on, and the team the teams are on. That's why I always say it doesn't take away from their greatness. And I understand you talk about the club, the Super Bowl club, and it's a great thing to be able to get there. And same with the World Series and any of these championships. But you're still Hall of Fame material, and I don't think you should be knocked because you didn't win four or five Super Bowls. Well, you know, yeah, I get that. But, you know, I mean, it, it just I try to break it down to listeners and people on the street. I try to tell people that. Yeah. You know, this, this is, and that's what I do. No, I, 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 I hear it a lot. I mean, I, I do hear it a lot. I hear it a lot about, you know, you, you mention a name, and they go, well, he never won a Super Bowl. Well, I, neither did, you know, the other 22 guys were there the same years he was there. So, <laughs> I never won a Super Bowl. I was in the arena, but I never won a Super Bowl. I mean, look, look at some guys go 13 years and then get to the Super Bowl in their, great, their best years was 10 years before. Right. You take, like, the great Walter Payton. He was the tail end of his career when he won the, when, in 85. He was 10 years in the league. We were rookies together. Yeah. He wasn't the same back he was the first five years. I don't even think he was – I think I, I think Perry, Refrigerator Perry scored the Super Bowl. He didn't. It was something like that. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That was terrible. 
Hey, AD, man. Uh, you know, as, as always, it's great to chat with you, man. Tell everybody about the book, man. Well, hey, listen. I'm still doing the book. I'm speaking in Orange County on the 8th at the Embassy Suites. I'm going to be talking about a crowd of about 300 people. They're very interested in knowing about the book. I'm going to be signing books there. And uh, I'm going to keep start preaching the, preaching the talk. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it until everybody's aware of it, especially the National Football League. And uh, it's a serious issue. And, and I want everybody to notice what, what's going on. So the name of my book is Kickoff Concussion. And uh, you can get it on Amazon. Lulu.com, uh, Book Soup, and uh, I'm out there. So, I mean, it's a great read, and it talks about a lot about things I've been through in my life. Tuesday, March 8th, is that uh, is that still available? People can still get there, or is it sold out, or what's the deal with that? I think it's sold out, but, I mean, that's what I'm doing this next week. All right, brother. AD, as always, man, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for joining us and, and, and having a chance to chat with us, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Okay, thank you, Keith. Take uh, care. Uh, you too, brother. Anthony Davis, everybody, and uh, you know he's always he's always fun to talk to. Always got plenty to say, and we always enjoy our, our opportunity to have a chance to to chat with AD. That's going to wrap it for us tonight. Uh, you've been listening to Swoops World on the Talk Star Radio Network, and we'll be back again next week. And uh, until then, dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 